is a lot of inspiration I take from building startups and businesses and applying them to building a podcast. Everything from finding your niche to messaging to the four-step process to promoting and growing it. When I was building my first business nine years ago, I knew none of these principles really. I completely muddled my way through it all. And in hindsight, things that I was doing and that worked, I had actually completely stumbled upon. I started really nerding out on startup principles when I joined the innovation team in the investment bank I was working for. It was there that the startup ecosystem really opened up for me. I learned design principles, growth hacking, lean startup principles. And while I've been applying some of these foundational principles in developing Cap Show, I hadn't really thought to apply them to my podcast until I spoke to Ron Beitiong from Pod Machine. In this conversation with Ron, we dove into how exactly he was able to help his clients based in Indonesia get into the top 200 podcasts in that region. And it wasn't about using the latest tactic or shiny objects. It just came down to some key startup principles. What are they and how can you apply them to validate and grow your show? Hang with us because that's exactly what he's going to be outlining for us. My name is Deidre Shen, CEO and co-founder of Capshow, the world's first AI-powered podcast copywriter, and this is the Grow My Podcast Show. Yeah, yeah. Hey you, welcome to the Grow My Podcast Show, the show that helps you grow your podcast. I am so pumped to be bringing this episode to you because I got to nerd out with Ron Beitiong on how really, on some really cool ways to think about how we grow our shows. Now, to give you some background, Ron is the founder and CEO of Pod Machine and Podcast Network Asia, who has been a podcaster for three and a half years now with a podcast called Hustle Share, all one word. On this podcast, he talks about the journeys, struggles, and triumphs of Filipino startup founders because, well, as one, he knows exactly what it's like. But obviously, his story did not start there. It actually goes all the way back to his college days when he realized he wanted to be on radio. I've always wanted to be on radio. I wanted to be a radio job. Never actually gave it a shot because I started hustling early and working my first startup. So I've been in the startup game for over 11 years now. The first startup was a nightlife app. I did that for six years. It became the biggest nightlife app in Asia. It's technically what I love to do. I only make startups on things that I'm very interested to do. So unfortunately, that failed. I was a greenhorn, made too many mistakes, and the compounding mistakes eventually led to its death. So I lost everything, most humbling, and still the, one of the most painful experiences I've ever gone through. Luckily, after few months I tried again. This time it was a chatbot development agency. It was called Chatbot BH. But 12 months after I, uh, again, luck found me this time because now I have a playbook of what not to do and what to do. Uh, I got acquired and I was finally able to achieve my goal, which was to buy my mom a house. That's all I ever wanted. Um, and then it dawned on me after that, I, I started feeling that itch again. So, okay, now what? And then I remember one of the things that my mentor told me when I was just starting out was if I ever become successful, I shouldn't pay him back. I should pay it forward. I said, I'm not going to do that and, you know, do a talk and bask in front of a hundred seat audience and just waste my time into hoping one of one, one of these people eventually become inspired. I want to maximize and also tackle one thing that I really haven't given a try yet, which is radio. 
So I started doing voice lessons on how to do radio. Half of the time they were asking us how to dub. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I'm not trying to be a dubber. I'm not trying to be SpongeBob or Patrick. Okay, because that's what they're trying to have to do. But that's how I learned how to like talk in front of the mic. And then I started auditioning on radio. Nobody gave me a chance because I was too old. I was 30 year old. Most of the people that are looking for young teens. So I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about one thing that I'm passionate about, which is startups anyway, and I want to pay it forward. So I'll just create a podcast. Long story short, we're now three and a half episodes in. We're the number one business podcast in the Philippines. And I've had all the most legit founders you can talk about and have in this region. And then because of that, I was able to create my new startup, which is Pod Machine. Pod Machine basically is the solution to my personal problems as a podcaster, right? So I'm an entrepreneur through and through. So I don't want the scarcest thing that I have is time, right? And every single time, once I record, the biggest pain points that I usually have is number one, I don't have time to edit. It takes around four hours for me to edit one thing end to end, including show notes. And thank you. Capsule exists now because before I have to listen to my own voice and manually do that. My goodness. Thank you, Capsule. And then do the whole thing, cover arts and everything. So I said, you know what? We can automate this. So we said, again, we created Podcast Network Asia to support the whole ecosystem of podcasts here. And then we productize everything. So we do editing. We do show notes using Capshow. Again, we're not shy about that. We do everything that you need to do that nobody likes to do, which is the backend stuff. So within 48 hours for as low as 50 bucks, we technically outsource everything to us. And then we automate everything that you want to do. And then after 48 hours, you just upload and you have a podcast already. Wow. Are you a podcaster who needs this? Yeah, I know. Me too. And like all good entrepreneurs, Ron has a secret source, a secret source that has gotten him and his clients some awesome results. The strategy that we really put out, and again, I think we, is working, is in the Philippines when we started, just for context, only 20% of the top 200 podcasts here were Filipino-made. 80% were American shows. It's like, where is everybody? How come there's so few of us, right? And I looked at it and those were the same problems that the, the same problems that I had were the same problems that I saw. First off, their editing at best was very amateur. It's like, you have to sound good in order to do that. So again, this is something to resolve through Podcast Network Asia, which we then productized through Pod Machine. Second, there was no community. The community is the secret. Because the best show, the best way to grow a show is to grow it through other collabs. Now it's hard to do that if you're a standalone because you're gonna have to lock, knock on every door. But if you have a network, which is the rising tide that lifts all boats, it's easier to get that done. And third, you need to understand your metrics because if you're just basing it off of how many listens or likes, and you don't know the key things that make your podcast successful, like retention. Most podcasters don't even know what retention was before we started educating them. Then that didn't work. So for context, how we how how did we grow over the past three years? We go we went from five shows to literally 320 shows across five countries now. 25%, no, sorry. I let me correct myself. We're now at 32%. 32% of the top 200 podcasts in the Philippines are made by us. Even if you combine all our competitors together, we're still bigger than them. And that's because the formula that I, I'm, I'm going to talk about works. And in Indonesia, around 10% of the top 200 podcasts 
are also made by us. Those countries combined comprise around 400 million people in those populations, 144 million podcast listeners in those two countries alone. So I think we figured it out. Yep, I'd say he's definitely got a few things figured out. So with that said, what we're going to do is take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we are going to dive into exactly how Ron grew his podcast and how he's been able to get results for his clients too. Are you ready to reach more people on more platforms in a lot less time with your podcast? Well, it's time to meet every podcaster's new best friend, Capture. Capture is the world's first AI-powered podcast copywriter and the fastest way to market and grow your podcast. In just 10 minutes or less, Capture will turn your episode audio file into an episode title, description, show notes, social media captions for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok, a promotional email, blog post, LinkedIn article, YouTube description, and full transcript. All of the drafts it creates for you are fully editable and downloadable. All you have to do is just upload your episode audio, wait for it to generate the drafts for you, and view and edit these drafts and download them to use in all of your marketing content. But before you think that Capture is just another robot that just writes words for you, I have to tell you about what makes Capture different. You see, Capture's AI has a very robust mix of human intelligence mixed into it. Capture was created by marketers so that every piece of copy it writes for you is infused with content honey traps so that your podcast episode stops the scroll and hooks your audience in to listen. But don't just take my word for it. Capture is offering you a free trial so you can see the magic for yourself for your podcast. Sign up takes less than 30 seconds and nope, there is no credit card required. Just head on over to www.capture.com and sign up for a free trial. That's www.capsho.com and sign up for a free trial today. As you know, on the Grow My Podcast show, we talk about all things growing your podcast. And today I am so, so excited to have Ron Baetiong from Pod Machine taking us through how exactly he has used startup principles to validate and grow his and his clients' shows. Let's get into it. So I, again, I am a startup guy. So I, a lot of what worked for me in the podcast game, I literally copied from the, the, the podcast game. I copied from the startup game. So the first thing you got to create is a minimum viable podcast, an MVP. In startups, we call it minimum viable product. And the idea here is stop overthinking and just start creating. Now, of course, the Pat Flynn formula, you can use that one trailer, three episodes. But when you start doing something to validate your idea or your podcast or the vertical that you want to tap into, then you can easily get feedback. That feedback can come in the form of verbal feedback or, you know, people listening to it, or it can come in the form of data. Now, in the data that you want to look for, the, the most and important metric you look at is not the number of downloads. It's retention. Basically, from zero, zero all the way to the ending of your episode, how many people did you keep? 
All right. There's there's different benchmarks, but if you get to at least keep around 40 to 50 percent of your um, audience from the from the ones that start all the way to the end, that means your your podcast is okay. Right. So where does where does the idea of validation and minimum viable podcast come in here? Because if you see that you started say talking about platypuses, you're a podcast about platypuses, right? And you lost your audience in five minutes, and you saw that after two to three episodes, and you're still talking about platypuses, that means there's no market. But that doesn't mean that you should stop podcasting. Then you can now do what startups do, which is to pivot. You change either the topic, you change your approach, you change your format. Iterate until your numbers improve. And then you then look for masses. But the most the most important thing in your creating your MVP, your minimum viable podcast, is to get that feedback. Do people care about what you're talking about? And then ask for, you know, feedback on how you were able to edit the show, the flow. The, it, the stakes are still smaller when you're starting up. So you can reiterate, relaunch a show if you want to. And when you see a Eureka moment and you see the numbers that you like, then you can keep doubling down. When I heard Ron talk about this, it took me back to the business idea that actually brought Bono and I over to the US. It was a fashion technology idea that, well, we thought was the bee's knees. We spent a couple of months creating some pretty simple designs and used it to test with our target audience, women in college and young professionals. We actually went to the Columbia and NYU campuses and asked complete randoms to go through it, give us feedback, and ultimately some form of currency. Now, the best form of currency is, of course, money. But since we didn't have an actual product, we just started with whether they'd be willing to give us their email address. And if you wanted to know the ending to that particular story, let's just say the product did not make it. But it's this exact same process that Ron is laying out here. Only the currency you're testing for is your audience's time and attention. And I know what you might be wanting to ask. Is there a benchmark we can hold ourselves to? Because that's exactly what was on my mind. My, my number that I look at, and this is what we use in, in PE, in Podcast Network Asia, is you want to get to around 150. Because at around 150, I forgot where I got this, so I apologize if I, I forgot, but you're at around 150 downloads or around 200 downloads per episode, your show would be in the 50th percentile of all shows in the world. That means it has a pulse. People care about what they're talking about and, and whatnot, right? Now, what, why is that 200 a benchmark? Because if I look at an average, say, person that has Facebook, or Twitter, probably gonna have ballpark figure of a thousand friends, give or take. That means a fourth of your clout or immediate network, you should be able to convince them to listen to your show. But in reality, of course, we all know as a podcaster, a very few number of our friends actually listen. It's the strangers that want. And then you know that you're actually growing to that number if you have people or strangers now looking to your show. So. Tying that back, it has to be a mixture of a little bit of number numbers in terms of downloads. I'd probably be okay at around the 50 downloads mark. So at least there's some mass, not two or three, because if you're you're having anything lower than 10, you gotta try harder to get people to listen to your show. And then of course, look at their attention and iterate from there. So awesome. I love when we can get into the nitty gritty of what to do and look for. Okay, so step one is to create your minimum viable podcast. And if I know anything about the startup framework, I believe that we now want to be defining and tracking our success metrics. But how do we go about doing that? For step two, 
not all podcasts are created equal. So your metrics should never be apples to apples, oranges to oranges. Each category is different. By default, there are categories, again, depending on your niche or the benchmark. It's, again, very similar to startups. You can't compare an e-commerce website to a very niche Web3 crypto site. They're not the same. So the way you benchmark your metrics and how you define success should also be different because comparison is the thief of joy. If you say, like, how come I never made it to the charts? Right? How come? That, for me... That metric varies from show to show. When I started my show, the only thing I ever wanted was to pay it forward and inspire people to keep hustling to whatever they're doing because I feel like entrepreneurship and startups are not being talked about. And the metrics I had internally was very simple. And I'll share it with with you. First off, I'm a startup founder. Time is money. So I want to make sure that at least in the first season, I should have my own sponsorship to incentivize me to keep going. So when it's the going gets tough, I'll remember at the back of my, I'll cheat myself and say, hey, you owe something to someone. I'm a Lannister and I should pay my debt. Okay, I, <laughs> I should keep going, right? So I wanted to monetize my show to incentivize me in case I hit the wall. Second, I want to get that feedback where I'm able to pay it forward. And once I get those strangers randomly messaging me on LinkedIn, emailing me, Facebook, whatever, that they got inspired, they were able to get a job, they were able to get investment, like I'm doing my job because that's what I wanted. I wanted to pay it forward. And third, of course, I want to benchmark it to be one of the best in my category. I don't want to be number one. Luckily, I'm, I'm, I'm number one in my category, but I'm looking at it around the, the world in my category. And the, the way I look at it is that, okay, so I, I use this tool called Listen Notes. It's a search engine of podcasts. So I look at my contemporaries in other countries. Of course, US is overblown because that's like the mecca of podcasting. But say I look at a podcast, say in Vietnam or in Singapore that talks about startups as well. And there they will tell you what percentile of your show is. And if, you, if you're in the same percentile as them, then okay, I'm in the same neighborhood. Not too shabby, right? I'm not trying to be number one, but I'm trying to be the best in my category or at least one of the best. And then it's not zero sum. If I see other startups that are also doing the same, instead of competing with them, I collab with them because there is always going to be an over an audience overlap and we can always collab and help each other out. Notice how much we talk about collaborations on this podcast. Just wanted to point that out in case you haven't gotten the memo yet. But let's not let Ron off the hook. What are the specific metrics that he tracks for his own podcast? One of the things that I always look out, which not a lot of people actually do, is how my long tail and my evergreen podcasts perform or episodes. So the way I did deliver, I, I did define long tail is that Typically, the behavior of, of my listeners is that it takes them around eight weeks to consume as the shelf life of one newly released episode. Around 30 days, I get around 70% of that, and then it then, then becomes long tail. It dwindles down. One of the things that I really make sure is that, okay, out of, say, every month, I should have probably have an evergreen show. So evergreen show, I look at my monthly downloads, and I look at any episode that's beyond eight weeks from publishing on that month. That means that has a really long shelf life and people still care about that right now. 
that means it's a valuable episode that people keep going back to. It's 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 still gonna get downloads two, three, four, five years from now. Again, it's because I put in so much of my heart and soul in each episode. I want to make sure that at least I'm still able to push it forward, immortalizing that guy's story and the lessons that that is. Again, very unique to what I'm looking at. Other startups that I've seen, I mean, podcasts that I've seen, chase chase rankings. Like I need to be X amount in front of it. And that's cool. It's just hard to compete at that because there's always going to be this new podcast that will dethrone you. Man, are you having as much fun as I am? I just love when I speak to someone who has a cool take or, or perspective on these topics. Okay, so far we've learned about creating our MVP or minimum viable podcast and how we should use it to test and iterate until we have something that people actually want to listen to. We've also defined our success metrics. What should we be tracking to ensure that we stay on that path to podcasting success? So then that leads us to step three. So my third step, is is all about building clout and building an audience. Again, podcasts the 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 best way now to to grow a podcast is the community about around it. But you you don't do that when you have a podcast already. You do that prior. It's like you preheat the oven so that when you put the pizza, it would cook nicely, right? Because at the end of the day, what you want to be able to do is be a key opinion leader leader on that vertical that you choose to talk about and that's where i see most people fail because you're you're you're, when people release a podcast they all of a sudden they've never talked about it before in in the chosen social media that they're most powerful in so like for me i saw that people engage with me the most on facebook and linkedin before i even started talking about startups and created a podcast around it people already know that i talk about this and how do i measure Basic basic things like do people engage? Do people comment? Do people reply to that? If you're younger, then do people care about your, your videos on TikTok? You preheat the oven to a certain size. And then again, hopefully you get to around 150. That then hopefully, you know, some of them does convert. So when you when you release that content, you tease it. And then if people convert, then People already know that you are a voice to listen to or a representative of that niche when you launch. You don't start when you have the podcast is ready. Always preheat the oven. Again, this harks back to some foundational startup principles. Have you ever signed up for a waitlist for something that was just about to launch? Nine times out of 10, the reason startups have a waitlist is for two reasons. To validate that this is something that people actually want and to build hype about it so they can launch into a ready and waiting pool of people. That's exactly what Ron is talking about when he says to preheat the oven. How can you build this community or this audience of your ideal listeners to launch your podcast into? How did Ron do it for his podcast? So since now, all of a sudden, startups, again, I've been talking about this for years now, right? But all of a sudden, I have this new medium and by virtue of me being the first mover, I was the loudest voice in the room, literally and figuratively. So I now incidentally started talking about podcasts. And then I saw an opportunity like, wow, the startup ecosystem in Southeast Asia resembled the podcast ecosystem here. Like there's nobody taking care of grassroots. Nobody was really doing all the dirty work, nurturing all these shows. It's like, all right, it looks like I've, I've been, I've seen this before. 
and I was shameless, like, I'm just going to copy what worked in the startup ecosystem. So when we created our podcast network, our approach was very much like a startup accelerator. We saw those podcasts that had traction and doubled down and invested everything that we can and then let them fly one by one. That's why we're able to grow that fast. And then again, we just realized our superpower, like, oh my God, we were able to grow to around 200 shows. Nobody's ever done that in this region before. But our superpower is that we can actually do this for everyone for cheap. Hence, we then productize for pod machines. Because if we can do it for a Filipino show, which again, is spoken in English anyway, we can do it for an American show for the cheapest way possible. And the reason why we're able to do that is the arbitrage because we already have those resources ready anyway. You have a big team. Why not just build a product on top of that? Hence, Pod Machine also. Pod Machine, honestly, is a, it started out as an in-house product that we built to solve our own problems. Because at one point, we had 200 plus shows and we had 200 plus, 200 plus group chats in Viber, Messenger, and WhatsApp. We couldn't talk to our families. And 70% of the questions that were, were thrown there were repetitive in nature. It's like, we got to automate this. And again, the company that I sold before that was a chatbot company. It's like, mm, let's build a chatbot that automates this whole thing. Streamlines everything so that the whole thing also did it. And we also made, since we since the scale, we had to change the way we edit as well. We turned that into a production line. So instead of having one poor soul doing everything end to end, we diced it up into small mini processes. So it's also faster and cheaper to, to get it done, especially with show notes, right? Who wants to do show notes manually? You need to use CapShow. We use CapShow. To get that done, right? Shameless plug right there. They're the best in the business. I could not be more grateful for Ron. He's so, so awesome and so smart. Now, if you've listened to my previous episode on the Grow My Podcast Show, episode 25, you may already know my philosophy about how AI and specifically CapShow can help you with your podcast and where to set your expectations about AI. Because at the end of the day, CapShow, it's powered by a machine, which means that, yeah, it's going to make some errors now and then, and it isn't always going to nail your tone of voice, but it gets you 80% of the way there, which is where you start to get huge time savings and a better quality output to really amplify your voice and market your podcast. But I also know that even that last 20% is a stretch for some people. Why spend 20% when you can spend 0%, right? And that's where Pod Machine comes in. Pod Machine are a really cost-effective service that gives you back that last 20% for people who don't even want to think about touching their show notes. They take what Capture creates in terms of episode title and show notes and put the human overlay onto it so that you really don't have to worry about your podcast post-production. So who exactly is Pod Machine for? By virtue of just looking at the profile of who our pod- podcasters are here in Southeast Asia and in all over the world, they're all the same. They're all busy people doing this on the side. I can name in a couple handfuls how many people are actually making this as their own living. It's few and far between, regardless if they're in the US or here. So if their main hustle is something else, the scarcest thing that they have is time. And I, we even ran a, a, a survey in Podcast Network Asia prior to creating Pod Machine. What's the most important thing we provide? And it's their ability to then not worry about the editing and all the dirty work part. And we asked them if we took that out, which is in 
podcasts, I mean, in startups, that was the determinant of product market fit. If your 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 startups cease to exist, will they fill? Will they have a huge void? And they said yes. It's like, oh, okay. And then we looked at it like, oh, in 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 our clientele and pod machine, it's the same. Nobody wants to do the dirty work. And once you start getting all that four hours per episode back, you don't ever want to go back. Never again. Because now it's four hours, say, if you just use one hour of that to look for better guests, to have a better flow to your podcast. You have three hours back that you can do whatever the hell you want. So if you want to get your four hours back and you are a podcaster, you ain't nobody got, ain't nobody got time for that. You don't, you don't want to edit your own show. We've made it so affordable to make it like hundreds and hundreds of podcasts that are now using Podmachine. Just check out podmachine.com. If you, you need help with your editing, whether it's a video podcast, we do audiograms, videograms, and of course, the most important thing, show notes, we use CapShow. But if you don't want to do CapShow on yourself, we use CapShow and we'll even do the dirty work for you so we can double check that stuff. We're, we're completely transparent on what we use on that one because prior to CapShow, we were toiling our asses. It's very hard to create show notes, but now again, CapShow is the best. <laughs> it sure is. Well, I certainly think so anyway. So if you want to learn more about Pod Machine, we have left those links in our show notes. And as always, stay awesome.